Welcome back to the podcast. I really appreciate all you guys. This past week, and I'm going to ramble on here um, for the intro. This past week, I've been obsessed with this um, YouTuber. And it all started because I was on World Star Hip Hop and I was just kind of going through and just watching random videos. And I stumbled across this BMX video and it was this guy, his name's Anthony Panza. And he's based out of somewhere in New York, which is really fitting for this podcast. I'm just not sure exactly where, but I just think his videos are so fun to watch, even though I have zero interest in getting a BMX bike or even going out and watching people ride BMX. I just think his YouTube videos are really interesting and his crew is pretty funny. He's got an interesting cast of characters and I just love what they do around the city. They definitely travel out of state too and ride BMX in like a ton of cool spots. And I just am waiting for him to upload a new video and I'm literally going back and watching everything that he has on his YouTube page while I wait for a new upload, which is really interesting because his skin, this is so random, you guys are probably wondering, wondering why am I talking about this crap and when are we going to get to the podcast, but his upload schedule, he likes to upload every other day, which is a lot. It's, it's a really quick turnaround, but since I've started watching, he hasn't had a single upload and it's really interesting and I'm curious where he's at and what he's doing. But enough of this ramble about random BX, BMX YouTubers, excuse me. Uh, this week on the podcast, we have John from Rule Them All. Super awesome band. If you guys have never heard of them, please, I urge you, go check them out. Super awesome band from Long Island. And also, John's a great artist. Support his zines. Go to his art shows if you're local or if you're super into him, fly out. He's super awesome. Had a great time talking to him. So without further ado, welcome John to the podcast. podcast john how's it going uh my first podcast ever so i'm excited wow. fun. thank you for being down to come on the podcast i, I want to give a big shout out to keith freeman he put me on to your band rule them all i love keith me too. Keith is a great guy and um i've come to find out that he pretty much knows everybody yeah, seriously. Uh, he's also in like so like every single one of his bands is good. So like and like some of my favorite bands like currently out. So I love Keith. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> yeah, and shout out Restraining Order, Maniac, Ammunition. Hell yeah, dude. Mongo Dave, Ammunition. Hell yeah. Um. So, are you uh like from Long Island? Have you been there your whole life? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I grew up. I still live in the same place I grew up. I grew up in Deer Park, New York. Um, yeah, I, I actually I lived in North Carolina for about six months. But other than that, uh, no, I've just been in Deer Park my whole life. So, 
Okay. I, I, have, it was, I think it was like a few years ago. Um, some friends and I did like a trip out to like the East coast. We went to New York, New Haven and Boston. And when we were in New York, I, I wasn't like a huge fan of the city. I really enjoyed being on long Island cause it just felt like way more chill out there. Yeah, no, the city is like, I don't know. For, for me personally, I, I, it's good once or twice a year. Like I really, unless there's like a show out in Brooklyn or something like that and I could get in and get out, like I'm not really a big fan of like New York City, you know. If you've never seen it before, I suggest you go see it. But then after that, you know, it, it's kind of the same. Everyone's kind of a dick and it's just like, I don't know, it's too congested. Long Island's awesome because it's like, you know, if you want to go to the city, you can go take a train, you can drive, it's like 30, 40 minutes. But if also, if you want to drive an hour the other way, you got like farms, you got like suburbs, just quiet, you know, um, it's great. We were leaving Long Island and it was like, I think like four or five and like we got stuck on the Long Island Expressway and we didn't realize like how much traffic there was actually going to be. Oh yeah. If, if you don't, if you don't get out of Long, if you're trying to leave Long Island and you don't get out. By, I want to say like one thirty two p.m. on any given day, like you're fucked. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's probably the the worst part about Long Island. It's just the, it's just the traffic on pretty much all the highways. There's there's no getting around it unless you travel super early or super late. You know. Okay. Yeah. And like we were like we're used to traffic at, um, being out here in Southern California, but uh, at that point in the trip, we had just taken Ubers around and it was the first time we were actually driving and oh. we, yeah, we literally had no idea how bad it was going to be. Like it was so bad that me and my buddy had time to hop out of the car, like walk half a block to this deli, get a sandwich and find our car still in traffic. That's pretty sick. That's I've never done that in my life. I've like, behind the wheel in traffic but like in a bottle and shit but like i've never never i've never gone that far that's crazy you probably <laughs> you probably set a record or something that's, that's awesome what kind of sandwich was it honestly I, I don't remember what kind of sandwich it was all i remember was um we were just i don't even know what part of um like new york it actually was but like, cause like i remember we were stuck under some bridge for the longest time we we're just like bumper to bumper like nobody was moving and it was just like the weirdest situation yeah, that 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 sounds like Long Island. Well, well, Long Island in New York traffic. I actually used to, I used to drive for like a, a what is it, a, a sheet metal company, like a fabrication company. I used to drive for them in and out of the city. So, I spent a, a very good portion of my young years just uh, sitting in a van in that traffic, and I probably took some years off my life. Uh, I took some hairs off my head too, but, uh, you know, if you're getting paid to do it, it's not the worst thing ever, but you know, that, I don't know. It, it definitely is definitely the worst part about Long Island is the traffic. Everybody always complains. And a lot of bands that come through here, I don't think they really account for the, tra the traffic. So like they'll hang out in Brooklyn until five, six o'clock and then they hit traffic and they're like, oh shit, we're going to be an hour two hours late to whatever venue it is because they didn't realize that, yeah, you're going to be sitting on the LIE for hour and a half, two hours, you know? Yeah. And that's crazy. So what's the best part about Long Island? Uh, honestly, like just, just in comparison to when I was living in the South, cause I was like, I used to be one of those guys that was like, I got to get the fuck out of this town. You know, I fucking hate Long Island. It sucks. 
then I moved away and I had to like drive to Walmart like 25, 30 minutes. And like, everybody was just like, I mean, everybody was friendly, but it didn't feel real. Like, I don't know. Like once I came back to Long Island, I realized, like, Oh wow. I can walk to Taco Bell. I could, you know, everything's within a three to five minute drive for me, you know? Um, also, I don't know. You get a little bit of everything. Uh, like I said before, like you get, you can go to the city, you can, you get the suburbs. You can also go out and be in nature and shit. Um, I don't know. I've just never been to another place like it. You know, I like a lot of other places, but I, you know, it's just Long Island. I always like, it's just very, it's very familiar to me. So it feels like just, I don't know. It's just the best place on earth, but I'm sure anybody who's lived somewhere their whole life would say that, you know, <laughs> it's funny that you talk about how, when you're younger, you wanted to get out of Long Island. And that's how I felt when I was younger growing up in Palm Springs. And it always trips me out. Um, that it, that's like a thing like you know kids like hate their hometown want to get out and go to like a cool new city when where they probably yeah. live honestly isn't that bad yeah no 100 percent. i mean that's that's just like angst and like you know when, when you're a kid or at least when i was a kid i was like pretty hyperactive and i just kind of wanted to i don't know i just i just wanted to go see stuff and like i was at the at the time when i was like that i was going to community college and just like you meet a lot of characters that you're just like, I hope I never end up like you, you know? And it's just, you know, you don't really realize until you go out and see other places that, um, you know, the place where you come from is actually pretty great. You know, you you come to appreciate a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I was hanging out with a girl like two weeks ago and she was talking about how she really wanted to move out of orange County and, I was just listening to her talk about how much she like didn't like it. And I told her that I loved it because I, I moved there like whatever, like I think it's been like 10 years and I was just explaining to her like how much I love Orange County. And she thought that I was crazy for loving it. But then I mentioned to her, I was like, yo, I was like, um, it's probably because I didn't grow up here. I, I don't hate it. Like you do. Like I'm still technically like new to the area. And yeah. Yeah. And then like, even since I moved away, like when I go home or go back home and visit my parents, it's definitely like a change of pace. And I can see the appeal of people wanting to live out in the Palm Springs area. And I definitely don't hate it. Like I thought I did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny, funny that you, uh, you I, I don't know why, which you, you saying that reminded me of like, uh, something that just recently happened in my town. Now, uh, Deer Park Avenue uh, is, was actually in the Guinness Book of World's Record, World Records uh, at one point for having the most fast food strips on, like, one strip. I, it, it was a really long time ago. But, like, you know, there's, like, two McDonald's and, like, a, like two Taco Bells. There's, like, four Starbucks. But there was one specific Starbucks that um, it it was – it's literally been there since, like, I've – been born you know it's like it's one of those things and they recently just shut it down so they could just i guess draw more attention to the other starbucks but like that was a landmark for me like i knew i was home from like traveling or something like that when i saw that starbucks and i i get a sigh of relief and now that it's gone i'm like fuck <laughs> you know like i just i feel like my whole world turned upside down you know um but i guess i think that just comes with the sort of a, like the weird attachment that i have to to my hometown you know and why did you move to North Carolina? So I was, I was in like a, not like a, I wasn't in like a pinch. I was just, I, I think my, my angst, my, my young angst had uh, sort of, uh, 
it, it, it was at its peak at that point. Like I was in a band that was doing pretty well and uh, we were like in talks with like a pretty big, like major indie. Well, like, I, I don't know what you call it, a big indie label. And uh, that band ended up breaking up. Like I just got out of like a pretty shitty relationship. There was a bunch of shit going on at home. And like I joined a new band because I still wanted a tour and stuff. I still, I, I, I wanted to get that out of my system. And they were like, listen, like we're going to move down to North Carolina just so we can tour. Uh, do you want to come with us? It's not going to be glamorous. It's, we're living in a trailer and your room is basically going to be a closet. And I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, let's go, <laughs> you know? Um, but that honestly, that, that point in my life was pretty pivotal. I'd say if that's the right word, but, um, cause that's when I really started pursuing drawing and stuff like that. Like, like really going for it. Cause I, I used to draw as a kid, but, uh, in my, I guess I'd say my late teens, early twenties. It's sort of, I sort of uh, regained the passion for it. So at that point, like, I I was like working that that job that I was telling you about before, where I was sitting in the van all day and I was, you know, back and forth in traffic. So I was doing a lot of overtime, and I couldn't, like, I didn't have time to really pursue like drawing or even just like playing, like doing music as much as I wanted to. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go somewhere where. It's a hundred dollars for rent, hundred dollars for utilities, and then I'm gonna sit on my ass and draw all day. And I'm gonna figure this out, you know. <laughs> Did you work when you're in North Carolina? I actually, it's funny because the, the place that we were living was just like super backwoods, like super. Um, uh, it was like so cheap to live that the, the like the small amount of money that I saved up in the time that uh, I knew I was gone. Cause it was pretty much like a three or four week gap that I knew I was moving. Uh, it was like really short notice. And I had about like $2,000 in my bank account. So I was like pretty much able to just tour and chill for probably four out of those six months that I was there. I did lift and stuff. And then I worked at Domino's for a month and a half. So, uh, it, it, but it was like it was really more or less on my terms. Domino's was pretty much towards the end of when I was uh, living there because I like the, my roommates were like, "Yeah, well, we're all moving out," and I was like, "Yeah, I think I'm just about done with this place." Also, <laughs> so. And you know. did the band continue on, or did you guys just kind of call it quits? No, no, uh, they they continued on. Actually, um, the, 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 they changed their name. They they go by Restless Spirit now, and. Uh, the uh, well, the singer guitar player um, is he plays guitar in Homewrecker now, and then the other uh, the other guy in the band, the bass player of that band, uh, is their merch guy. He does a pretty funny Instagram account where he eats garbage and he reviews it. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but no, check it out. Yeah, <laughs> wait, pretty, like he it's like real garbage. Yeah, he goes in the garbage and then he just he eats it and he does he gives like a rating like oh yeah. Um, like five out of 10, like 1.2 out of 10 or whatever. He's just, you know, crazy guy, but yeah, he reaches in the garbage and he, he eats it and he reviews it. But, uh, it's, it's actually, I'll, I'll shout it out. It's called found footage reviews It's uh, on Instagram. It's pretty but, funny. Uh, I, I like the name. It's pretty clever, but I just thinking about it, it just sounds so disgusting. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's horrendous, but that's, you know, that's, that's Mark for you. But yeah. They they changed their name and uh, I I don't know if they what their plans are now, but um, I actually met them because of a band. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a band called Detriment. They were like a Long Island band, uh, and I actually met those guys through uh, the singer because it's 
the, the guys in those bands, the, the guitar player was the singer's brother. And then all of them kind of had a part playing in Detriment. And then it, it was very, like, a lot of interchangeable members. But I was the fir first drummer of that band. So <laughs> that's how I sort of met all of them. And eventually we started doing that band together. The, it was the, the band I moved with. Okay, and you had this like a affinity to like want to tour all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. Why was that? You just didn't want to be home. You don't want to be tied down to anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's there's something about being on tour that's just like, I don't know. Like, you you definitely have to sort of be like a kind of a crazy person to like enjoy it. But like, I don't know. Me, me and Richie, the guitar player uh, of Rule Them All, we actually. Uh, we always talk about just like there's like there's something about just like the freedom aspect of just like being at a gas station at 3 a.m. just like fucking around, you know, like just kind of tired out of your mind, you know. It looks like, obviously, I don't know if that's like corny or not, but like there's just something about it like you don't, you know, it's, you, you don't get that really anywhere else but on tour. And at the time, like I, my brain was just like completely wired to do that. Uh, I just wanted to bring my drums wherever I could and just fucking go crazy, you know. Yeah, I, I remember when I was like fresh into hardcore, like I, I thought that was like the dream to be able to just tour because the, the thought of like going to a show every night in my mind was just like so awesome. But then, you know, you got to realize that there's like actual like responsibility that comes with it. And, you know, your band actually has to be good to do that kind of thing <laughs> um, to do it. Like, I guess, like um, successfully. I don't even, it's like subjective, but like in my mind, I was like, okay, I, I just want to be on tour. And, and like, part of me was like, oh, like maybe I can just be a merch guy and just do it that way because I don't have to perform. I can just kind of help out. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I did like a week run, which is in like, I wouldn't even call it like a, a tour. It's like whatever. I, I went to like a string of shows for a week with my friend's band and it was definitely fun. But there's always this like thought in the back of my mind, like when does this like actually like begin to suck? Because it fe <laughs> it felt awesome, and I was like, this feel like it's like too good to be true because it was just like uh, like so much fun in that one week. I was like, it can't be like this all the time. Yeah, well, it, it really really helps if you are with people that you know you. Um, well, not only that, like people that it's the right people, but people that you can kind of communicate with, like. We have, a, like, we're not, we're not even, like, close to being, like, a full-time touring band, but, like, we'll go out for, like, two-week runs or so. Um, maybe we'll do, like, weekends and stuff, but, like, we're always, like, so open with each other. Like, if somebody's pissing somebody off, like, we'll just be like, yo, you got to fucking chill with that because I'm getting pissed off. And then we'll all joke about it and whatnot, but it really, it really helps to keep, like, the, like, there's that two-week feeling where, like, like, towards the end of the two, two-and-a-half-week mark, where you're just like tired, like I just want to go the fuck home. I want to sleep in my bed. Um, that like, I don't know. That's usually the point where I would be like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm ready to come home. Is about like two two and a half weeks because then like, you know, everybody's still kind of up your ass. Like your your tolerance for for bullshit is definitely at an all time low at that point. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's that's just like personally. I know that I have like a lot of friends that aren't full time like touring acts and. You know, they seem to handle a lot better. <laughs> but uh, rule, rule them all, like, we, we, we do it, like, the way that sort of it, it, it works for us, where um, we just go where people ask us, you know? Like, we're not, like, trying to 
we're not trying to like go for it and run it into the ground. You know, like we're just like, you know, what? like we're going to make this music and you know, if people want hit us up and we can do it, we're going to go out and do it, you know? And at that, like I, that's, that's sort of been the formula for most of my bands. Um, at first we're just like, I mean, booking like a, a, a long tour or even just booking like a string of shows is always such a fucking pain in the ass. So it's just like, yo, like I don't care if we got to drive four five, six, maybe even nine hours for one show let's just go like where people ask us if we can find some shit along the way fuck it we'll do it but you know like i've had like friends bands that book like two months towards diy and like i don't it's like i don't know how the fuck you did that without like strangling somebody ripping your hair out you know yeah and, and to um you know trust that that, that whole thing is going to work out is so scary yeah, yeah. Well, uh, honestly, like this is this is something I, especially in, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm turning 26 this year, so I, I'm not gonna say I'm old, but like I, as I as I've come come out of my, I mean, I guess I'm in my mid 20s, you'd say. Like it, I, I realize that especially with everything that I'm like pursuing, uh, it's really important to like define. Yeah, like what is going to be success for you? Is it just getting out there and doing it? Like, is it like, oh, I want to play for thousands of people, which for me is like, I don't know, for, it's always sort of been unrealistic, you know? But if you just, if you're able to like rewire your brain to be like, I'm just going to go out and do what I said I'm going to do, whatever that is. Like that for me, that's like success, you know? Like I'm going to make this zine in, in a month and then like, you know, my, cause I do like art zines, cartoon zines and stuff. Um, I'm going to do this in a month. And if I get to that point, like if I, and I produce like enough to like have it for whatever deadline I want, like for me, that's success. You know, if it's like, yo, we're going to go out, we're going to play three shows. Uh, even if like 10 people show up and they're in, we make one fan. It's like, that's success to me. You know, that's also like some pretty corny local band shit. But like at this point in my life, I definitely, that's, that's sort of how I, I try and keep things. Cause then, you know, it, there's no point in being disappointed because it's like, if you're disappointed and like, you know, you, you really have no business being a creative person, you know? Uh, Cause there's a lot of that. There's so much of that. And it's, you know, yeah, I think that made sense, right? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like what you're talking about, it sounds like you're setting, like, uh, short-term goals. Yeah, for sure, you know. And I, and I think, like, I was actually, I was watching a, um, it was a, I don't think it was, it wasn't a TED Talk, but it was, like, something like that, like a, a seminar with this, uh, I guess, author-entrepreneur guy named Seth Godin and, uh who's like, I actually had no idea who he was until I looked him up. Like I saw him on YouTube and apparently he's like some crazy, like billionaire entrepreneur. And he was talking about like, um, I guess he says like for, for like, I guess art in general, it's more or less about like, he, he compared it to like a golf clap, you know, where like a golf clap is like a really quiet clap. And then he told people, all right, clap a little more and clap a little more and clap a little more. And then by the time they were done, they were clapping like super loud. So that was, it was more or less like setting, like finding small pockets of people that genuinely care about what you do. And then that's, what's going to grow. Like if you're up people's asses on Facebook being like, yo, listen to my band, you know, like people, you're going to alienate people from what you do. And it's going to come off as not as genuine. Even if you are genuine, you don't know any better. Um, so it, I, I think it's a lot about, you know, finding like, like tending to small pockets of people 
that give a shit about what you do. And that honestly, in, in, in this day and age, that's all you can fucking ask for is a few people that care, you know? Yeah. And I model like this whole podcast off of a uh, podcast that I listen to. Like a, a big thing that I follow is the Joe Rogan experience. And okay, yeah. Yeah, and he talks about how he never promoted the podcast. It was just a thing that he did, and then people just kind of stumbled upon it. And I just love that because that's like how I found it. I found it through being a fan of mixed martial arts and then just hearing about it through the woodwork. And then I had to go and seek it out and find it. And then I just you know became a part of this like crazy community. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. Like he wasn't putting it in front of our faces all the time. Wasn't like promoting it constantly. Like it wasn't something that you saw everywhere. It was just, just kind of something cool that was just there. And like when I, I started my podcast, that's something that I wanted to do as well. Cause I'm not the type of person to want to, you know, flood my feed with, Hey, go check out my podcast, listen to my podcast. For me, it was just like, okay, I'm going to upload it. I'm going to post about the new episode when it's out and that's it. Uh, people will eventually find it. Hopefully it, it travels by word of mouth or people see the post at the right time and they become fans. And I feel that way that if they listen and they like it, they'll come back. If not, that's cool because I'd rather have people actually like it and come back and listen than try to convince people to like my podcast. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, that's that's the way you got to do it. And it's like I actually I had heard of the uh, the podcast previously. Um, I, I I'm pretty. Did you have someone from Omega Point? Was it Stu from Omega Point on the podcast or yes. something like that? Uh, yeah, no, because I'm in a group chat with like a lot of those dudes from that band. We all play Xbox together. I I don't play as much. I'm not much of like a. I'm not very big on gaming, but like that's actually how I found out about the podcast. Um, and then what's it called? Uh, I, I saw a lot of people posting about it and like, yeah, you've had some pretty cool guests, man. And like, really like, like that's, that's the model. That's all you can really ask for is, you know, if people, if people stumble upon it and they happen to like it, that, you know, and they come back, like what's, what's better than that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And instead of being like that guy, that's just like, you know, advertising it 24 seven, trying to, you know, convince people to like it. It's just like, yeah, don't, didn't want to do that. Cause, um, it just seemed kind of like, you know, corny to me and, um, I, I just didn't want to, you know, have to just make people sick of seeing it. It's just, if, if I just want people to like it, if they actually do, it's like, cool, come back, check it out, tell your friends. If not, it, it's cool. Cause I, I understand that it's not going to be for everybody. So I, I early on, I, I just like kind of like had like realistic expectations for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know, do you know what's funny is that I could actually definitely compare that to when we recorded the rule them all demo. Um, because I mean, like, especially like at the, like, cause we started, it was, we started writing in the middle of 2017 for the demo and we, we ended up putting out like three songs and, um, we, like, cause long Island for the most part is uh, at like this point, is mostly just like heavy shit and like mosh shit, which I love stuff like that. You know, I, I feel like, you know, it's hard to be a hardcore kid and not have appreciation for, you know, for, for all types of hardcore, you know, but for us, it was just like, well, I don't know. Like we want to do this thing. And like, we finally found a group of people that want to do the hardcore band that we want to do, like the style that we want to do. 
Um, so like, we were like, fuck it, let's just record this demo. We'll put it out there and we'll see what happens. I don't think anyone's going to fucking give a shit, but if they do, fuck yeah. And, you know, we've, we've been pleasantly surprised at the amount of people that, you know, at least like friendships and like connections that we've made through this band, you know. Um, like I said, I, I know I keep saying it, but it's all, it's all you can ask for, you know. And we, yeah, and now we're barely, I'm touching on the band. How did it come together? Were you guys just bored one day? Were people in other bands? So um, it started out with uh, me and Richie writing some songs because it actually, um, it was a funny thing that we were talking. I, I told Richie, I was like, yo, like I'm moving home because we, we, when we became friends about, I'd say like, it must be like six years ago at this point. He actually joined that band that I mentioned at the way beginning um, uh, that broke up pretty much like right when it was about to do stuff. And um, basically like me and Richie just had like this sort of instant like best friendship. Like we just understood each other, you know. So we kept in contact. We, we'd always like drive around just when we'd hang out and talk about like, yo, like I want to start a fucking a, like a, a, a hardcore band. But like I don't we feel like. I feel like no one's going to get what we want to do, you know? So we just never really did it. And at the time we were sort of just busy, just kind of, I, I don't, I don't know what it was, but we were kind of taking a break. Like we, so when I was coming home from North Carolina I, and I texted him, uh, he was saying like, yo, there's like a sheer mag show in April. Cause I think this was early March. He goes, you want to like, when you get home, you want to just like try and write, uh, some songs so we can like maybe like open that show or whatever. Um, so at, at the time we were going to try and do just like a sort of dirty, like heavy rock band that like, I don't know, like, I guess maybe like some like sort of sub pop, like mad, matador type stuff. And then, um, Richie wrote the riff to so it starts and we we're like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing, which is initially what we wanted to do. Um, cause he was just like, yo, listen, like I want to try and write something that's a little more like, I don't know, like, super touch and like dag nasty and like i guess like new york hardcore but also like revolution summer type stuff i it, it was just really like one day like flipped on a dime and so we just like wrote those songs uh you know it, it, it's pretty convenient that i'm a drummer because like me and richie just fleshed out these songs and then we sort of employed the only people that we could really trust which was andy who pretty much played bass on like every single band for the longest time um and he, he even played bass in the in the other band that I was talking about before the uh, the one that broke up, and uh, yeah, uh, I had known a boss since uh, eighth grade, and we've been like brothers since then. And I knew that he would get it, so I'm like, "Yo, you want to play drums for this band?" And he was just like, "Yo, seriously," because he was just quitting Burn at that point. And then we asked Zach, and Zach was down to do it too. And then eventually, I think it was in it was February of this year. Uh, Zach couldn't play a show and we had Danny fill in and then he was just like, yo, I love that so much. Could I just play through a guitar? And I was just like, sure, <laughs> why not? You know? And that's how the band came together. It was, it was pretty organic and it was just like, it really, every practice just feels like friends hanging out, you know? Um, so yeah. And were you always going to be the vocalist? Yeah. Well, it was funny because like, at first, when we were sort of in like dirty rock band mode, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll just like sing and play drums or something like that, which um, I guess was like cool. Like, you know, it's like sort of like a 
it's it's not as weird in like sort of the, the indie sense or you know rock band sense of the word. And there's actually like a, a lot of hardcore bands now that have drummers that sing and it's sick. But like Richie was just like, yo, like honestly, like if we're you should just you should just sing and that's it. We'll just get a boss to drum because I just feel like for for a hardcore band like you need a front man. I'm like, you know, yeah, that's cool. I've never done that before, so. Fuck it, you know. <laughs> yes, and I'm I'm glad you went with that choice because I feel like, um, just like visually, it's like way more pleasing with like an actual front man, and I feel like if he would have done like the just the drummer singing route, it, it just would have been a little weird to see it live. I always feel like it's a little yeah. awkward. Yeah. Well. Well. What it is too is I. It's like I. I had a feeling that our sound was like a little bit unorthodox. Like it's something that maybe like newer hardcore kids wouldn't see as energetic or like, like sort of, um, yeah, I guess energetic is the right word. Something that kids wouldn't see as energetic because there's no, we're not really like, we don't really like try to like spoon feed like the mosh parts and like the, the, that stuff. So it's like, I feel like there's gotta be someone, especially with what we do, um, that's gotta be up there just like moving. Whereas a band like, say like regional justice center like ian is like a fucking monster and like you know that 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 music sort of speaks for itself where it's just like fucking insane no matter what the configuration is you know not obviously not to discredit like uh ian because he like when he sings and he plays drums it's like jesus fucking christ i'm afraid of that man you know but uh for us i think it came with the territory because it's like it's sort of hard to like i maybe for like a newer hardcore kid that's getting into hardcore through maybe a different means than I did. Like maybe like some, uh, I don't know. I, I want to say like pop punk or like deathcore stuff, which uh, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I try not to, you know, have any qualms with that, but like for someone who's hearing stuff like that and then maybe hearing um, rule them all, it, I feel like you got to have someone up there just being like going nuts, you know, which is, I try and do my best. I'm a little out of shape, but I gotta, <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, Okay, so the band gets together. Did you guys make it onto that Sheer Maggie show? No, no, we actually didn't. We we uh, we took our time because once once we kind of once we just decided to like you know let's just like let's just go for it and write the hardcore demo that we wanted you know and start this hardcore band. We kind of were just like let's just take our time with it. That Sheer Mag show was fucking awesome. They're like the only band I've ever heard make Revolution in Amityville sound good. So. <laughs> That definitely says something, but um, no, we, we didn't play that show. Our first show, we actually booked ourselves with um, uh, Blind Justice Headlined. Uh, who else played that? Um, I, I can't think of who else played that. Jesus Christ. Uh, it'll, it'll come to me, but I, I, know, I remember Blind Justice Headlining. Was that, I don't know if, you, if you've been to Long Island, I don't know if you've been to Shaker's Pub. No, I've never been, but I, I definitely am familiar with the names. I know like a lot of shows happened there. Yeah, that that's like if uh, if someone that isn't like Scanlon or somebody is is doing a show uh, with some smaller bands like uh, like uh, that, basically a show that's too small for AMH. Uh, that's usually where they go because it's super cheap and they're like honestly pretty. Re- I guess I, I don't want to say relaxed, but uh, it's pretty easy to get a show going there. And if there's any damage, it's sort of just like. Uh, I don't know. Just give us a hundred bucks or something, you know, like one of those type things. Okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I was curious about the song "Blueprint for Change." Can you just talk about the meaning behind that? 
Uh, so, so that song, which is, which is, I guess, I, I'm bringing up the demo, so uh, I, I'm surprised you brought that up, but I, I've been talking about it this whole time. Uh, it, it's, it was basically a song about, which, which is a sort of a, it's an umbrella sort of theme for a lot of stuff that I write. It, it's a lot about, like, um, introspection and just, like, looking at myself and being like, yo, like, I don't handle things right a lot of the time. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels this way. So it's just like, I definitely, if, if not, if this is not me taking the first step forward in, you know, working on myself, this is definitely the blueprint for it. You know, like I'm, I'm going to start, you know, I got this, it's, it's sort of the pre-planning to like making a, some changes in your life. And that was like, right when I, you know, what the, that's right. When I moved home, I wrote that song and, um, I, I, it was definitely coming out of North Carolina. Like I, like it, it was almost like, I, it's a pretty funny comparison, but like, that was almost like my snake way when fucking, when Goku was running on the snake way and then coming back. That's how I always, that's what I always find Like hilariously compare that to is that like, you know, I had a lot of work to do when I was in North Carolina, just on myself and, you know, coming home and reflecting on that, I realized, yeah, no, there was a lot of things like I had, some, some emotional issues that I had to take care of. Not that I was like obviously hurting anybody, but it was stuff that just wasn't serving me anymore, you know? Okay. I definitely like that uh, snake away comparison. Uh, I'm guessing you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, that was one. Like I, when I was in uh, elementary school, I used to draw Dragon Ball Z characters pretty much anywhere I could. Um, and I, I'm still like a very big like anime and manga fan to this day. I was actually just sort of um i was like because i'm working on a a black and white cartoon for my midterm in school and i was looking at just a lot of like the textures and stuff that i do and it's like i didn't realize how much influence like manga had on my style you know um yeah so i'm definitely like a anime and like all sorts of japanese like entertainment has been like such a crazy weird like it just followed me through my whole life. Like even when I was a kid, like my dad, um, he lived in Brooklyn and we would always, when I'd see him on the weekends, he would take us to Blockbuster. And I guess he just assumed that every anime was like as, as clean as Dragon Ball Z. So he'd just be like, yeah, sure. Let's get this. There was like Ninja Scroll and like, uh, yeah, sure. This is cool. Tech Man Blade. And it's just like so much nudity and stuff like that. Um, but like that, like, from an early age, I just always had a crazy appreciation for, for Japanese, like, uh, I guess manga and anime and whatnot, you know? Yeah. I definitely get that. Um, you bring up Ninja Scroll. I remember when, uh, the big guy, I, I don't remember his name, but he, he grabs that girl and like her titty falls out. Um, yeah, dude, I, <laughs> I, I straight up remember sitting like in my uncle's Cause my dad lived with my uncle for a little while. Like he lived uh, pretty close to my mom, and then he moved to to Brooklyn. I want to say in '99. So this is this is pre moving to Brooklyn. He lived with my uncle, and that scene happened. I specifically remember my dad telling me to cover my eyes because he just had no idea. That was that's the first demon. I forget what his name is, but uh, I, I I just recently rewatched Ninja Scroll on Hulu, and I'm like straight up, it's like one of my favorite animes, like ever. You know. Yeah, it definitely holds up till like or to oh this God. day. I think it's so awesome. There's something about like, I, like I because I think that was like '93, 
or 95, something like that. Something about, like, pre-2000s, like, cell animation, like, anime, that, like, it, it's just one of my favorite things on Earth. There's, there's something about the way that they're able to just make shit come to life that, like, I don't know. There's something about it that I just, like, it, like, Fist of the North Star and, like, Perfect Blue and, like, shit like that. Like, I don't know. There's something about it that just, it just makes me happy when I think about it, you know? Yeah, like my cousin, she's like a big like anime fan. So growing up, she was like the reason that I got to see a lot of stuff. And she had like a ton of VHS, which I think is so trippy like to this day. when I think back about her collection and then she she's like so into it, she eventually like got rid of her VHS and rebought everything on like DVD. Oh, man, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, um, I actually. Who was I talking? To? I was talking to Lucky from Abuse of Power about because he he like he was talking to me and he was just like um, he was saying like yeah like I don't know it's kind of lame I, I watch anime and I was just like well which one? So we started talking and uh, I always forget the name of it but I think it's just because I just um, I I just looked it up again I think the anime was called Yoma or something like that um, and I had the VHS tape of that and it was like it was about like kind of like these crazy zombie like kind of in, in uh, feudal Japan type stuff. Like, I forget the whole name, but I remember Yoma was the only thing that I remembered about it. And, like, when I was a kid, I fucking loved that. I, I like, ran that VHS into the ground, you know? Um, I'll, I'll definitely send you uh, at least a picture of it uh, on Instagram when this is over so that maybe if you could find it on YouTube or something like that, you know, you could uh, you could, you could, you could check it out if, if you haven't already, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I haven't heard of it and I'm definitely down to check it out. Like I, I don't watch as much anime as I used to. Like I, I definitely watch some of some like popular ones still. And then I, I still like to go back and rewatch like random old shit that I'm like still a fan of. Because for me, it's just like I feel like now, like I don't have as much free time to just sit around and binge watch stuff. So like, I don't even know like what's like cool and new or even good anymore. So it's just, I, I don't watch as much as I used to. Yeah, no, I definitely like, I have these crazy, like, like these periods where like, I don't even touch a TV, you know, cause I'm always just like so busy doing everything I got to do. But when I do have like, I guess time that I feel is, 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 uh, necessary to just mentally shut down. Like I'll, I'll like, go through like Hulu and I'll go through like Netflix or maybe even like YouTube or something like that. And I'll find like newer stuff that's going on. Like there's, there's one, I think it's a remake, uh, but it's called Baki. And, um, that, that like was one that I definitely was really into. It's just like so blown out and like violent. And then, uh, what was another one? Uh, uh, devil, uh, something baby, devil baby. Uh, fuck. I forget what it's called. Um, Damn, I don't remember, but uh, it, that one's another crazy one. I'll have to maybe maybe when I po- when you post the episode, I'll I'll put a little footnote on my Instagram post, but uh, about which which one it is. But it, it was a really recent one. Uh, fuck, I don't remember what it was. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea, but I'm sure people will figure it out. I'm sure there's people listening who know what you're talking about and like pulling their hair out and screaming. It's like devil baby, devil man. I, I think it's devil man baby or something. Devil fuck. It's not like such an idiot right now, but uh, it's fine. It's okay, hold on. I'm, I'm I'm sitting in front of a computer. So is it called devil man cry baby? Yes, there it is. Okay, okay. good. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, no problem. I, I figured um, I just used the, the power of Google. Yeah, 100%. You know, we've come a long way, you know. Okay, so you put out Blueprint for Change, and in 2018, you guys released an alignment of polarity, which I think is an awesome name. And I, I wanted to ask you, like, how you guys chose that name for the, was it, would you call it an EP? Yeah, yeah, it was an EP. So basically, um, an alignment of polarity was something my dad told me. Uh, well, he said to me, um, because right when I started going back to school, um, you know, I, I didn't want to stop doing music. I really, I didn't really want to stop doing any of the things that I was pursuing. Uh, I just think I had to really like, it, it was really a point where I had to change my approach on, uh, how I sort of went about these things. So everything is sort of fresh and always fun and it's, it's never really a drag to do. Um, so at a certain point, you know, I, I was doing a lot of drawings for bands and stuff and I was still able to play, you know, shows on the weekends and like do tours when I wasn't in school. But in school, I was also, um, in school, I was also like studying something that I'm really passionate about, which I'm, I'm in art school. So, well, I guess an art program at a, a school on Long Island. And uh, really my dad was saying like, you know, it's an alignment of polarity, what you're doing. I don't know if he, because my dad has a pretty funny way of saying things, but basically what he meant was is that I had all these sort of paths that were separate from each other and they're sort of converging into one path. So it's like, I guess when things are polarized, they're separate, but when they're aligned, you know, they kind of become on the same sort of streamline. So um, it's also sort of a, um, it's sort of a play on every single song because uh, that every song on the EP is sort of like me telling a story about something from my life. Uh, there's like a sort of a, a storytelling narrative to it. Um, and they all sort of come together to form this thing that at the time was, I, I considered like, personally one of like my best works as far as writing and I, as far as being in a band being a part of something is definitely one of the best things i had ever been a part of so it was all these sort of separate stories coming together into one release that i could well we could also be, be all be proud of you know and who did the layout for the cover that was our buddy kyle nyland uh he, he does a, like a lot of our like i think he's done all of our shirts and uh, I think he's, he's doing some more shirts for us. He, yeah, he, he did the cover layout. Okay, because I'm just curious about um, how the title is actually placed on the cover. Uh, I was wondering if he did that like for like a particular reason, or did you guys you ask know, for that? The, the actual, uh, I, I, I think it might have just been sort of a creative uh, liberty, but uh, it's actually in my room. I'm going to walk over to it right now and see. But yeah, he, he's got like a really cool... Um, I mean, unless you're knocking it, which I, which, uh, I, I think it looks awesome, but, um, he just has a really good eye for design. Like if, if, if I ever draw like a shirt for the band, which I did on the backtrack tour, I, I drew a shirt for us. Uh, I usually just send it to him like, yo, make this look cool. Cause I have like, I have the, the, the actual drawing, but I'm not good with like layout and stuff like that. He's got like a really awesome eye for stuff like that. And I think a lot of people go to him for design work. Like, uh, I couldn't say off the top of my head, but I know that he's pretty busy with stuff like that, you know? Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I just kind of like how 
as like, you know, you're reading it in alignment and, and as you're finishing up the word alignment of polarity starts. So I'm just like, huh, like, is that, does that mean something or is it just me like overanalyzing? Well, to, uh, I say this a lot, but art is subjective. So if it means something to you, then fuck yeah, run with it, you know? <laughs> okay. But, um, uh, yeah, but I, I think that was, that was just like a, a personal liberty of his. I, I actually never even really read into it. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just like to um, analyze things like that just just to see if there's like any weird meaning that people might not actually know about. So I had to ask. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, with the um, with that the vinyl, we actually did a zine Wait. because the guy that put it out was with uh, it was uh, Nick Acosta with new morality zine and like we just had this idea because sound majority had like a, a fan zine where tommy explained all the songs on uh life of the spectator so we kind of wanted to do something similar to that you know and that's like one moment in my life where i'm like damn it i wish i collected records because oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that i i think is awesome because obviously getting like the lyric sheet lyric book or whatever is always cool to be able to read the lyrics to the songs but um having like the actual like meanings and like um like interviews with the band i i think that's super cool because that's like way more than like anyone would probably expect to come with a record yeah, and like I said before this interview started, I don't shut up. So any 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 point that I can just uh, explain things what I'm doing, I'm going to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, So the first track on the record, um, Higgs uh, Boson, you guys have uh, somebody reading a Stephen Crane poem. Can you talk about why you had that on the track? Well, Richie actually, uh, Richie actually uh, suggested that for the beginning of that because he just liked the quote, and it and it definitely fit well with the meaning of that song. So, um, we just like I, I I was totally down with it. You know, it was just it just it just worked. You know. Yeah, and the name is actually interesting. Are, are you like into physics? It's, it's actually very funny because a lot of people will ask me like, "Yo, dude!" Or, like a lot of people ask me that same question. It's like. I definitely have an appreciation for like physics and, um, but like it was more, I had, I had a teacher, I had a biology class in 10th grade where, um, my teacher was talking about, um, the particle accelerator and how they were, how they were messing around with that. Cause he was trying to do some like current science news at the beginning of every, um, beginning of every class. So he was talking about, yeah, like, um, he kept calling it the God particle, and I just love like anything that sounds sort of epic. So I was like, "Fuck yeah, I love the God particle," you know. But um, obviously, I, I didn't want to call the song the God particle. But I eventually did my research. But essentially, yeah, he was talking about how like they're starting to experiment with this particle accelerator, and either the, it can go two of which ways, where if it's successful, we'll have the answers to pretty much everything, and if it fails, then we're sort of we're just going to get sucked up into a black hole sort of instantly. So I was like, you know, I don't want to call this on the God particle. So I, I like did my research. I was like, yeah, uh, like the Higgs molecule. So I guess Higgs boson is, is, is the proper term for it. But the song itself is, is more or less about like the, I don't want, I don't want to just, just say technology, but sort of the rapid prog, like I, the rapid exponential progress that we've made, especially over the last, I want to say 10 years where we're sort of, I don't know, like we're, we've sort of streamlined 
to our own doom, you know, where we're almost consumed by these things where it's like, I guess, technology and, and, and progress as a, as a civilization can go two of which ways. One is that we could, this could, we could find a way to like have a relationship with technology without completely destroying everything else around us, or we'll just completely destroy ourselves, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, my favorite track off the EP is lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a very personal one to me. Um, basically when I was a kid, my family were like born again, Christians. So, uh, and obviously as a kid, you just kind of follow whatever, you know, whatever you, uh, you know, whatever your family's doing. So I would go to church. We went to, we went to church. Now our church was a, um, it was a smaller born again Christian church that broke off of like this huge, um, born again Christian church in my town called upper room. I guess I'm going to dox them, <laughs> whatever. They're, they're, they're a bunch of scumbags anyway. But, um, so basically that, that church, the upper room church became basically a corporation like they it, it, it was just they have like a they have like stadium seating like the place just grew and grew and grew which all right off the bat like my family they left that church because like this just doesn't seem right there's too much money coming in here you know too much too much asking and so we, we a, a bunch of people from that church broke off and um they formed a new church and then it ended up sort of being the same thing um where the, the pastor of the church ended up, he had this building fund because the the, um, the actual church was in a shopping center, uh, actually down the street from Shaker's Pub, but it was in a shopping center, and uh, he was always promising, like, yeah, we're, like I have this building fund on top of the tithes and stuff like that that people would give every Sunday. So he would talk about this building fund, like we're building this building, it's like around the corner. He, had, he bought a property and he did like this crazy event, but he like basically – like over time he was still promising and like the progress of the building actually just, it just came to a halt and no one was saying anything. Then it turned out he sold the, the property for like $4 million and then pocketed it. So it was just like one of those things where at that point I must've been, I think maybe 12 or 13 years old. And like my family left that church too. And it sort of let me, left me at like a disconnect with like sort of spirituality and, you know, stuff like that as a whole because it's just like yo like i feel like any place that i've been throughout you know my childhood and my my i guess my preteens has just been sort of like a business and they're just constantly asking you for stuff so eventually you know i i i took sort of a, a hiatus from any sort of spiritual stuff and then i found myself sort of come back but in a lot different of a way where it's like i don't really i don't i'm definitely just a spiritual person like i i feel like that we we exist on like one plane of energy and that's really it and a lot of these religious figures that people look up to are um really just they're all kind of saying the same thing so it's just like well why don't i just live my life like that instead of you know feeling like i gotta go somewhere and i gotta be obligated to this person who's really just trying to capitalize on me you know and um at a certain point, I realized, like, yeah, like, at the end of the song is sort of, like, talking about my experience with meditation and sort of, like, letting go of, like, suffering and all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, that, that for me, was at the, the point where I realized, like, yeah, I, I got to let go of a lot of these things that 
I hold on to these sort of illusory emotions so that I can have what, you know, maybe the, the pure Hindus in six, 650 BC, you know, described as what is actually real, you know? Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really more or less a song about, um, finding your own path. And, and, and as long as you're not hurting anybody, or as long as the person next to you is not hurting anybody, leave them alone and let them do the same, you know? Damn. That's crazy. That, that story about the church. And I'm just like still thinking about that. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy to think about like, you know, that I remember I used to see like a lot of stories like that as a kid, like in the news about like, you know, some like higher up in a church, like oh, completely overstepping their bounds to, to put it lightly. And just like, you know, for some reason, the people around me always scoffing and being like, but, but also being like, as if, they're better than these people or as if they're, you know, they're somehow separate from contributing to this sort of thing that stuffs a lot of that stuff under the rug, you know? Um, it, it, it's crazy to think about like, Oh wow. That sort of thing happened like very, very close to me. Like there was shit like the pastor of the church, like exposed himself at like a men's meeting and like stuff like that made a lot of people really uncomfortable. He even actually like cursed out my mom at one point. Like he was just like a fucking nut job, you know? Like, and at a certain point, we're like, yeah, we just kind of got to get out of here. And, and for me personally, it was like, I got to get out of this way of thinking that I got to structure my life around something like this. And, you know, I think the, the results since then have been, you know, awesome. <laughs> you know, and I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm spiritually stronger than I've ever been, you know. Damn. That reminds me of a time when I dated this girl um, who's like heavily involved in church, like her, okay. her, her um, dad is the pastor. It's like, man, and now I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know if I should talk about this, but whatever. Um, sorry. Uh, hey, 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 we, we, won't, we won't, um, out anybody. Um, but I, I was dating this girl for, um, for, for a bit and I, we'd, you know, go to church cause she was heavily involved and, her parents really liked me and I remember he wanted to have a meeting with me because he wanted to send me overseas to pray over people and and I was just like kind of like taken back by that because like first of all like in like normal church I wouldn't really participate like they tried to get me to join the church band didn't want to do that um and i definitely never prayed over anybody at like the normal church so i was like why does he want me to do this this is weird and i I remember he like um called me into his office and he was um talking about um or telling me that i I should you know uh, go and take the trip overseas and i was explaining to him i was like and he wanted me to go in like the next week and i'm like yo i was like as cool as that sounds i was like i can't go i have my job i have all my bills to pay like i'm not making any money if i go overseas and I, i remember him just telling me he was like oh he's like don't don't worry about it god's gonna take care of it and he he kept saying it i think he said it like three or four times and I was just like thinking to myself, I'm like, wait, is this him kind of like using like code like to tell me just to go in that, um, you know, it's going to be covered by 
God, quote unquote. And I was just like, wait, is this like me being sucked into like the like inner circle? And I, I wasn't going to have to actually work anymore and they would pay all my bills. And like, it was just really weird because I didn't really know like what was actually going on. Like, because he was just giving me like this weird look when he was saying it. And I was just like, oh. I was like, I wish he would just be up front and tell me like how it's really going to be versus having me like rely on God to, you know, pay my rent when I'm overseas praying over these people who don't even know me and I don't even know how to pray for people. It was just yeah, such a no. weird experience. And like, I yeah. eventually turned it down because like, there's like, I was like, I, I, I don't know if he really wanted me to rely on God to, you know, pay my rent. I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I was like, I'm just going to stay here in America and just continue to, uh, you know, do my job. Yeah. I mean, I, it's definitely, it sounds like something that would happen in, in, in something like that, you know, like, I had, there, I remember hearing, because I think my mom had like some friends that she kept in touch with that didn't break off from that church where even like their friends start to notice like, yeah, this, this guy's like flying off his rocker because he called uh, uh, one of, I guess, I, I forget what they call like the, the men, I guess, because they would have men's meetings and there was like people who were involved in the church. I guess uh, they were also like the ushers. So he like called one of the ushers up and said, told him like, you know, you're not donating enough. You're going to get cancer. And the guy actually ended up like flipping out on him. Like, and then they had to like, it was like a huge fucking thing. You know, it's just, it's really just like, I don't know. Just one of those things where it's like, I don't think that this should be monetized. You know, this is like, you know, it's, it's not something like it's unfortunately something that even in like a lot of biblical stories has been corrupted so much over time that, you know, I don't think that if, if, historical Jesus was here today. I don't even think that he, he'd be like, what the fuck are you doing asshole? You know, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like a trip for me. Um, cause I was like, definitely like a, a part of that and kind of deep. Uh, so I definitely understand like that, that situation. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not, not to knock anybody who, cause you know, my, my brother, you know, he's, he's a, still a boring and Christian, you know, he found that to be his lane, you know, and he's just like, that's, that's what he does. But even he doesn't identify with, you know, a lot of like the atrocities that have come from just the institution of, I, I guess, Christianity, you know, as, as first and foremost, but just the institution of religion in general. Um, but for me personally, it's like, I don't know, I, why, do, why do I got to meet up with these people? You know, like I, even like, I just remember there was like so much gossip within the church and it's just like, I just don't fuck with it. You know, like, I'm just like, you know, I, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do what makes me feel free and I'm going to do my best to just be a good person, you know? And like that, that comes, that comes across a lot in like my writing, especially as a, you know, in, in rule them all. And like, especially on the new record, I, I, I touch a lot on that, but um, yeah. Okay. And um, like last couple of things on rule them all, you guys put a, re- put a release out in 2017, 2018 and this year, do you guys decide to take a break? Or are you guys in the middle of writing? We actually, well, we um, just announced that we uh, signed to Flat Spot Records. Uh, we actually been in talk, well, I guess signed, quote unquote signed, but you know, Flat Spot's doing our record. And um, we actually had been in talks with Ricky for, I want to say over over a year. And we, we just, we've been writing and the record's recorded and it's done. And we're going to really start talking about it, like, re- and start pushing it towards the, uh, I, b- very, very soon. I don't know when you, you plan on putting this out, but like Monday, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so very soon we're going to actually start 
putting stuff out there about the record. So hopefully uh, soon. But yeah, we we have a record that's done. It's at the plant. You know, we're 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 trying to get something out for the end of the year. I don't know how it's gonna go, but uh, oh well. Do you want to break some news? Well, I, 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 I think I actually talked to, to Ricky about it, and he was just like, you know, it's just. Just mention you guys got a record coming out. Like, you know, that's fine. That's fine by me. So, all right. Well, everybody, keep your eyes and ears open. Hopefully, we get some good news really soon. It'll be sooner than you think if this is coming out Monday. So, okay. <laughs> awesome. And you guys uh, get to be a part of the last backtrack show ever, which I think is pretty awesome. I feel um, that band from being from New York and you guys getting to play on that show, I, I think is actually really awesome. And I'm still bummed that they're breaking up. I, I know that like a lot of people weren't really into like the last couple of records, which I don't understand. I, I feel like they were solid from the demo to the last record. And I was actually taken by surprise that they're breaking up. I, f- I felt like they were going to be like, like a newer generation of like, you know, mad ball, sick of it all. Just one of those bands that just keep going. Yeah. I mean, for, for me personally, and just like, you know, the, uh, the, uh, cause a, a boss, me and a boss, well, a boss took me to my first local show, which was, it was the deal with the devil record release. Dude, that's uh, insane. Yeah. So, um, what's it called? Uh, sorry, my, my, my brother was calling me. Um, yeah, no, but that, the deal with the devil record release, that was like, I, I had known about hardcore and I had been into like punk and hardcore, but I thought that the only shows that there were was shows that my brother would actually go to, which were just like basically like beat down and metalcore shows and stuff like that. So, but a boss like was like, yo, I want you to come with me to a hardcore show. And I was like, oh, okay, sick. You know? So I went and it was, I really kind of never looked back. That lineup was crazy. It was, Incendiary opened the show, and then it was Naysayer, Cool Hand, uh, Title Fight, and then uh, Backtrack. But so, but re- really, like the the coolest part about it is that like you know that that band is for any Long Islander coming up through shows and over the last you know ten eleven years, it's just like you know that like Backtrack was like one of those bands. It was like a staple in your you know on your iPod, whatever it was, your vinyl collection, whatever it was. So. You know, to be a part of their last shows, to be, even be able to tour with them and like really get to know those guys and shit, like, and, and get to work with Ricky and you know get to know Vitalo and even just get to play with Danny, you know, and like hang out with the Smith Brothers all the time. Like, it, it's really just been a super cool thing. Not to make it about me, but you know, <laughs> um, it is definitely really awesome. Like, I I thought we were only gonna do the last East Coast run and then that was it, and I was gonna go hang out at the 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 last shows, but then Ricky. He hit us up like, yo, like you guys should play this. And I was like, yo, I will hundred percent play that, <laughs> you know? So it's definitely really cool. And like, it is definitely a huge bummer that they are breaking up, but I think if anything, they're really going out on top, you know, like the, the I think it was the Brooklyn show. Um, uh, Cause I, we, we actually didn't play that show, but it was like a few days after uh, the East coast run was over uh, they had like the last Brooklyn show and that was just like, definitely. I think I, I heard from, uh, through the grapevine that they were saying that was one of the, the craziest shows they've ever played, at least in like Brooklyn, you know? So it's like, I definitely think that they're, they're, if they are going to go out, it's good that they're not like really tarnishing their legacy. You know, they're just, they're going out on a high note where everyone could be like proud, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like they're doing it right. They, 
put out a like a solid record and they got to tour on it which i thought was nice and be able to hit like all these like all their like i guess markets that supported them and then go overseas and then they're just gonna call it quits at their hometown which is a cool way to send it off it's still a bummer but um yeah i feel like it's a definitely like the end of a good run yeah for sure you know lost in life was like definitely is or not uh no no bad to my world that's all i'm, I'm a dummy but bad to my world was awesome it was a great record it's a great record to go out on you know yeah yeah i remember yeah just when they put out like the single for it i was like oh this is actually really cool uh looking forward to the new record and i remember i saw that tour it was the first time i saw hangman they played in garden grove this place called the locker room i I thought it was pretty awesome yeah no hangman hangman they're 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 a bunch of wild guys they're definitely it's awesome to see how far they've come as a band too because they've been they've just been going at it for it was a five years now. So I guess don't quote me on it, but they've been going at it forever. And like, you know, it's awesome to see that they're also kind of, they're getting their due, you know, like people love that band. And I think that, that record, that full length they just put out is awesome. Um, I'm stoked that we got to tour with them and we, we, we definitely get to play with them a bunch. Uh, you know, we actually, um, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, you know about this band, but me, Richie, um, our buddy Faraz and Sebastian from Regulate and then uh, Mike from Hangman. We have a band called TOS, which is sort of just like Japanese hardcore mixed with like New York hardcore. So I don't know. Long Island's a cool place because it's like everybody's got their bands and everybody kind of gets their due, but we also just get to hang out and make other bands and shit. Everybody's friends, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, Hangman's awesome. Great band. So I follow you on Instagram and your Instagram is uh, cauldron of burgers. Yep. And I was always curious about that name. Where does it come from? Okay. So it's, I, I, it's, 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 it's a funny story. So, uh, basically I wanted it like I had, a, I had a separate Instagram, which was just like, I think at John Gustin, whatever it was. And I wanted to, when I first started really pursuing drawing again, which was about, I want to say 40 years ago now. I wanted to just have a separate Instagram for my drawings, but I also wanted it to be something that I can like slap on stuff, I guess for lack of a better word or brand name. And I was in my work van, I was driving around. I'm like thinking like, what can I call this? I'm like, eh. And I was listening to cannibal corpse that day. There's a song called cauldron of hate. Um, so I was just like, yeah, well that's like, that's like too crazy. It's too, you know, it's too, I can't just call it that. So I just replaced hate with burgers. It might have been because I was eating a, a sandwich or a burger or something like that. At the time, I was eating meat. I don't eat meat anymore, but at the time, I was, you know, burgers were my favorite food. So I was like, culture of burgers. And I think it it works pretty well, just like with my aesthetic overall, like what I go for, because culture is like a pretty dark, just like epic word. And then burgers is definitely the stupidest, like shittiest food you can eat. So it's like it's like part epic, part really goofy, you know. So okay. it's just like I, I, I started calling my zine like uh, Colder Burgers or any sort of comics that I do. Like my art stuff I keep separate. I just call that John Gusman. But as far as like my comics and stuff, uh, I've done like I think like six zines under uh, Colder Burgers or, or just put like Colder Burgers pre- Presents, you know. Um, so, yeah, I was just I was just like it, it, it's a Cannibal Corpse song, but I, I replaced burgers with hate. So I mean, hate with burgers. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, definitely um, makes sense now that I think about it. Um, yeah. I was so I I follow you, and 
it, it's funny when people do those uh, those Instagram story things where they'll like have to like ask you a question and then you answer it. Um, and somebody asked you uh, about ASMR, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't know why, but was, um, you actually replied. Um, and I don't know if you remember this. So I, you you replied. You're like tapping your fingers on like um, some like water jug, and then you were like whispering into the mic. And I, I just that was so funny because like most time you see that stuff, people will just like you know uh, just send back like a type text like answer, but you're like actually like replying with like videos and just for some yeah. reason that um that ASMR video just had me dying and I, I literally was like thinking about it just like like the next day and just how stupid and just like funny I, I thought it was and it just didn't make any sense to like why I thought it was so funny. Well, well, like it is it. It's funny because, like, I guess this this will be sort of my uh, uh, the, the cast out of the bag. It's like I've been watching those videos since like 2011 because it's just like like they started coming on YouTube and it's like you know if you if you've experienced the feeling of ASMR, it's like pretty much until the whole community on YouTube became a thing. Like you probably just thought you were the only person on earth that like felt that sort of thing. It's like the, the head tingles or whatever. So like, I, I'm like a hundred percent addicted to those videos. And like, I just like, it's just funny. Cause like it, it, it's become sort of like an internet joke. Cause everyone's like, what the fuck is this? And obviously if you don't get the feeling, you don't under, understand really the videos. I mean, actually that's not true because I think a lot of people just use them to go to sleep now and like relaxation and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, whenever I do stuff like that, I, I, I try and just keep it funny. I, I like making jokes. I, I love cracking jokes. So if any opportunity I get to crack a joke, I'm going to do it. So especially if I got props, you know, a little prop comedy never hurt anybody. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. And I, God, yeah, I, I tend to bring that up because that was like just so funny. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> the even thing about it, I was like, I, I still don't know why that was so funny. I, I honestly, I, I, a lot of people like, like hit me up about that. And I guess it is just unexpected. Like you wouldn't expect, I guess you just wouldn't expect something like that. Like, and the person who asked it, like we have a sort of a revolving joke about like making jokes about like ASMR. Cause that's like something we talk about a lot. Like it just, cause I think she brought it up one day and then I just start I just started like unloading all my useless knowledge about it. And then um, we, so it just kind of just became this revolving joke. So she asked me like, Oh, who's your favorite ASM artist? You know? So that I, uh, or, or whatever it is, would, would you make an ASMR channel or something like that? Um, yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty funny that you brought that up. I'm, I'm glad at least it, it was funny enough for someone to recognize. Sometimes like I'll, I'll, I'll put myself out there doing stuff like that. Like, Oh, like ask me a question and I'll answer it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, and then like, I get a bunch of questions and I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. This, this, this makes it worth it. You know, I get to, I get to crack jokes, you know, for sure. And recently you, you just had your first art show. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. Uh, my friend Parveen, she actually just, um, she, she's a poet and, uh, her and my other friend, Nicole Conti, they actually just, um, they collaborated where Parveen did like poetry and then Nicole drew a bunch of her drawings. So she's an awesome like illustrator. So um, she was actually asking me cause she's published stuff before and, um, but she's never done it herself. And she knew that I, I was like, I guess sort of, 
I definitely had a little bit of knowledge about it. So I was helping her through that whole process. And she said, like, she'd been talking about it for a long time, like just the project, like the book that she, she was talking about. And also just like doing an art show. She's like, when I get finished this book, I want you to be a part of it. So um, I was like super fucking broke trying to get this shit together for like, you know, just so I could have some stuff there. And I had paintings, I had some zines, I had stickers and stuff. And uh, a lot of people came out, they supported, like they bought stuff. And it was like, honestly, really like everything leading up to that was like so worth it. And to be able to do it like along with a lot of my friends and stuff, there's also some artists that I'd never seen before um, that I made friends with. But um, also who who was there? It was was Dylan Perino who plays in drums and sanction. He also plays drums in the fight. Uh, He's an awesome charcoal, like, uh, like, uh, I guess, what would you call it? Like charcoal illustrator drawer or whatever you want to call it but he does like really really realistic like anatomy stuff uh he's actually done some uh i think he did that one album cover for bind uh he actually okay funny enough he did the uh the album cover for blueprint for change uh it's not on the internet anymore but if you have the tape that was dylan (laughs) but overall it was it was really an awesome experience and i bought myself a nice impossible burger afterwards to to reward myself so um I, I actually have plans to do another one in February. That one's definitely a lot more like nerdy than like artsy. It's like more, more or less like it's like the indie section of like a lot of the local convention guys, like what they do. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm going to try my hand at like some comic characters and stuff. But uh, yeah, overall, it was it really was such a positive experience for me. And like definitely was just like people just came to buy my stuff and Again, to put put my bank account in the in the triple digits, <laughs> so I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely cool because I remember you posting on your Instagram story of like the stuff you had for sale, and I saw like a lot of things uh, sold out. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone cleaned me out of my zines. I, I try and like give people deals and stuff, just because I I understand like I'm not going to charge a lot of money for like four pieces of paper stapled together. But people honestly are really supportive. I even actually sold. I actually, me and Sebastian uh, from Regulate, uh, he filmed me doing a video or, or filmed me painting uh, a painting. is about three foot by two foot. Uh, that's actually on both of our Instagrams. And I'll, I'll do a plug for Sebastian that if you need film work done, he's definitely your guy. Um, but, it, oh yeah, well, his Instagram is at Ron, yeah, R-A-W n-y-e-a with an underscore so yeah just hit him up if you need stuff but i did a painting in like a day and he filmed it i actually sold that painting at the show so that was really cool for me too um so it really it really was like it, it definitely like put some fire under my ass to just like keep going with all my other projects and you know just just keep going you know like i said as long as a few people care that's all you can ask for you know even if they don't as long as you care then who fucking cares, you know? <laughs> and was that the painting that's on your YouTube channel? Well, I actually just uploaded it to YouTube, but uh, me and him both up- uploaded it to our Instagram TVs. Thing oh, or whatever. Instagram I, TV. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody actually plugging that on here. That's awesome. Hell, hell yeah, dude. Instagram owes me like 25 cents for that plug. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so, but it, it is the, the smokestack man that's on both? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So YouTube or Instagram TV, you can watch him paint the smoke sack man filmed by Sebastian. Yep. He's, he's, he did a really cool job. And like, uh, 
he's he's just got like a really like a good eye for shit like that also and i said that about a lot of my friends but it was cool because like that whole thing i sort of just did off the top of my head like i had an idea for like a giant thing smoking like a smokestack but then i, I just kind of just went for it and just I, I figured that would be cooler for the video to not really have anything prepared and if i failed then i fucking fail and i look like shit you know but well, luckily i i feel like it was successful because it came out how i guess like sort of how i envisioned it but also like something that i felt was you know I, something i like to look at you know <laughs> Yeah. Okay. No, that, that's awesome. I, and I, I definitely like that you're able to collaborate and work with friends. I, I think that definitely makes the experience like a lot better instead of going things like alone. Yeah. No, I, I'm very fortunate in that. Like I have a lot of very creative friends. Um, and especially even through rule them all, like I've, I've found, uh, I've made a lot of really like creative artist friends, like, Got people like well, well, Dylan. I, I've known forever, Dylan Perino. Um, what's it called? Uh, Patrick Cozens, who sings in Restraining Order. Uh, he's an awesome painter. Like he's got this really cool, like uh, geometric style. Um, there's someone who does a zine in Boston called it's Carrot Cake Zine, and they. Um... You still there? Zine out of it and. I think it's like they've only done stuff for like Boston, but like Boston hardcore, but um, they, they do a lot of stuff for a, a lot of people too. Like I walked up to them. I was just like, are you drawing right now? And they were like, yeah. And then I, I gave them one of my zines and then they gave me one of their zines and sort of someone who works very, very hard. Um, you know, at least since I've seen, since I've been following them. So I met a lot of other pretty cool people too. There's a lot of really cool artists in uh, hardcore uh, me and actually my friend Kyle Nyland, the one uh, the the one who does all the stuff for uh, Rule Them All, we actually on the for FYA we did an artist uh, like an artist in hardcore zine of just a bunch of people on the fest that do you know other st- like like do creative artistic stuff and we put it all together and, and it, it did pretty well like a lot of people were pretty interested so and that was for last year's FYA yeah, yeah, that, that was- yeah, that was for, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that would be 2018, right? Or uh, no, no. No. Oh, excuse me. Um, 2019. The, it was the beginning of the year. Yeah, that, that, just, that just threw me for a loop. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of my mind. Yeah, it was, it was 2019. That was that was also just a, an awesome time. So uh, just to throw that out there. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, it was definitely a cool thing, like, to be able to hit people up and have people be like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do some shit for that, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's definitely awesome. I, I I love that the majority of people in hardcore are willing to like collaborate and like work on things together. Because when I started this, I literally didn't think anybody would want to talk to me just because I was just some random kid from Southern California who wanted to talk for like an like an hour plus. Because I started doing like email interviews, which um, was like okay. I, I think I did like around like ten of those, and it was fine but not as like in depth as I wanted things to be. So I like came up with this idea um, of like having people on the podcast and surprisingly the, like, I just don't know how it worked out, but the people that I had on um, like behind the scenes just wanted to like help out. And that's like a big part of how this thing was able to grow because seriously, like it's kind of funny, like in the very beginning, like not a whole lot of people, um, 
like really knew about it. But then just like as like I just had people on and then they would tell their friends it just thing just kind of spider webbed out. It's, it's definitely really cool. Like how nice and like willing everybody is to kind of just like help each other out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I say it a lot and I, I try and say it uh, when I have a mic ever possible. It's just really, really, I, 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 I try and emphasize, I call it a, a empty, empty calorie, hardcore kid. Like don't just be ahead in the room. You know, if you've got something that you want to do or something outside of like the music or whatever it is that you, you know, you want to either feedback or you just want people to get into you know, just bring it, bring it here, you know, bring it to the, the one room that you know where people will actually listen, you know, and through that, if, if everything is functioning as it should, then there should be no reason, you know, why people shouldn't be, you know, have open ears at least, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I call it an empty calorie hardcore kid, just like maybe somebody who, who's there, maybe not for the right reasons or is just ahead in the room and doesn't really uh, – really contribute for, and if they do it's not really for the right reasons i just try and emphasize you know this is like one of the only places where you can practice individuality and practice ingenuity you know it's just like so if you have something that you want to pursue something creative fucking bring bring it here you know like that's what i did with my first scene uh, uh cauldron of burgers one it was actually it was a show at amh um and it was it was that's actually i'm pretty sure where i met or at least started talking to the restraining order guys. Um, my the other band TOS they played. It was TOS the fight. Um, Combust actually played, uh, and then restraining order. And there might have been another band, but I don't remember. But I printed out about ten zines, and everyone's like, "Yo, this is fucking awesome, man!" And then I just I did I kept making them. So, like I said, it's, I, I I'm I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but just if you have something that you feel you know if you're passionate about it bring it here you know yeah i i definitely agree because you'd be surprised at how many people w- would probably be into this like your idea or want to help out or just want to support in any way that they can yeah exactly you know I, I i do have that conversation a lot where like people are like i want to get into like writing or i want to get into like film or whatever and it's just like yo straight up like you have a foundation built in that you may not realize that you come to twice, twice a month, you know, whatever it is every weekend, whatever it is. Um, but you know, don't, don't hesitate, you know, but also try not to be the person that's like, Oh, like this, it'll never happen for me. It's like you, you happen to scratch the surface on the one place where if it is to happen, it will happen there, you know? So uh, yeah, obviously within reason, you know, but, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. yeah, not everything's going to take, but um, you'll have some support. He's going to kind of make it work. Well, I, and I, I try and say it too, that like, you know, here's where you kind of learn to like cut your teeth, you know, this is where you grind and then you take it into the outside world. And then that's, you know, that's, that's where you, you have already a built, if you do it the right way, you already have a built in skill set. you know, like it's crazy. Like, like hardcore has been so formative for me that like, you know, going, going back to school and kind of just being, even, even the art program is still a lot of just for lack of a better word, civilians, like people that are just like, Oh, I was, I hung out of the art room in high school. So now I'm going to go to college for art, whatever it is. Like, it's crazy how much stuff I know just because of hardcore, you know, just, it kind of, it's, it's formative. It like molds your taste. And it's like, I'll like raise my hand and I'll be like, Oh, uh, like to my teacher, I'll be like, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but this, this, and that. And then like, 
you know, it, it's a, it's a cool feeling and it, 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 it definitely, um, yeah, it's, it's just a great feeling and it, you, you don't even realize it until you're kind of out and about in the real world, like how much interesting things you might just know, just, just from being around your friends who also just happen to like interesting things, you know? Yeah, I definitely get that. This is real hardcore has been like a big part of my life since like 2002. So I, I couldn't imagine all the things that I've learned from it and just like it not being a part of my life. I feel like it, it would just be like really strange. I, I don't even know what I would be like if I didn't have hardcore. Yeah, you know, it, it's like obviously like it, it, uh, in a lot of regards, like me, me and my friends, we always joke like, yeah, like, I don't know. It, it would be crazy to just, like, drop out and just, like, have my life probably be infinitely easier because I would just be fine with going, getting a job and, like, going to a bar and getting fucked up on the weekends, whatever it is. I, you know, it just, it just seems like... So, obviously, it's not a very... I think that's where the humor is. It's not really a life that I would want to live, but it just seems, like, so much easier. You know, you have... You don't really need to use your brain very much anymore, you know. When when you're kind of doing that, you're doing the nine to five thing, and you just go get you know fucked up on the weekends. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's just like I've had so many experiences that I could talk about, and you know, yeah, I've had to make some sacrifices. Like I had to I, uh, sacrifice money, sacrifice you know maybe moving out of my dad's you know apartment and shit. But like at the same time, it's like. You know what? Like, I have a lot of stories to tell, and it's like I have for for when I'm I'm done in school and stuff like that. I have enough skills to kind of just like you know, and things to talk about that like it it, it just makes it worthwhile, you know. And I think there's something to be said about that, you know. Yeah, I definitely get it. It's it's like crazy, and I, I feel like getting into it. I I just never imagined that it would go so deep for me because from jump I was into the music and I was like a fiend wanting to just know every band, but I didn't realize like how impactful it would actually be on my life. Yeah. You know, like, well, even back to what I was saying before, like I, I, I played in, you know, hardcore bands, but you know, a lot of my other pursuits were like indie rock and like, you know, do metal, whatever it was. Cause you know, I, I do just, I'm a fan of music. You know, I, I like to play all sorts of stuff, but I was usually the person that was just like, yo, we got to play hardcore shows. You know, like this is, this is, this is probably one place where people will get what we're trying to do and it's hardcore shows. And it was just ever since like that, you know, I, I started going, I realized I'm like, that's just the one place where if I bring what I'm doing here, they're going to understand. And it was always, if anything successful in the regard that it, it, it got us to a place where we were happy, you know, and it, it really, it, it's such a crazy thing. It's just its own thing, you know? And like, there's, there's a lot of people that don't get it, but you know, maybe you don't even really want to talk to those people that don't understand it, you know? Like, yeah, but uh, yeah, and part of me is like, I'm like, okay with that because I do understand that it's definitely not going to be for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I honestly, with, with the amount of like, I guess I feel like there's a, a pretty big lens on hardcore right now i think it's attracting a lot, even a lot of people that shouldn't be here but are here and it's just like that's why for me it's like i i think everybody has their qualms with what's going on in hardcore at any given time and any old person will tell you it's just like oh well, this is this is just how it was back then too it's just honestly how you look at it 
And, um, you know, that's why I try and I try not to be like, oh, fuck these fucking posers. Fuck it. Whatever, whatever it is. Like, I just, I'm just like, yo, like you're here. So it's time to dig deeper. You know, it's time to, to educate yourself, you know, and, and, and not be, a, like I said, an empty calorie hardcore kid. And, you know, just, just, just use your brain, you know, and start, start, start digging, be stimulated. That's what this is for, you know? Um, but it's also like, it's, 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 really i don't know it, it becomes really easy to only focus on the things that you like about it and i think that's another great thing about hardcore it's like yeah you can you can like x you can dislike x y and z about it but there's always going to be a, a patch that's kind of just curated just for you and you can only focus on that and then you'll be happy you know <laughs> well john i definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast it's definitely been a fun one for me yeah, you know, I, I had a, a, a probably a four cups of a cafe Bustelo before I uh, started this. So if I talked way too much, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, those are the kind of people we like on the Jamie K podcast. People who like to talk and can just flow. So I don't apologize for that. It's much appreciated on my end. Well, I appreciate you asking me. This is a lot of fun. I've, I've just been sitting in my recliner chair and I'm been talking my ass off so i appreciate you having some interest and 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 having me come on and hang out over the phone (laughs) all right well before we go is there anything you want to shout out Uh, i got a lot of bands i got to shout out okay shout out fixation shout out vantage point restraining order dead heat uh combust uh mind force uh if i'm forgetting anybody my bad Uh, uh, maybe uh maniac uh age of apocalypse great bands uh, a lot of really good friends of mine um yeah i guess if you like i'm gonna i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna shamelessly plug my zine and my, my instagram if you like art and you like cartoons follow at cauldron of burgers and uh have a great time i guess that's really all i gotta say but all right yeah. well there you guys have it thank you guys for listening to another episode of the jamer k podcast always on top yeah.